0: Hi everyone. I'm your host, Christina Laney-Mitri, and welcome to Smart Living Hawaii's podcast, where we discuss smart homes and technology, sustainability, healthy lifestyles, and smart business. Today we'll continue our Sustainable Leaders series and have a talk story with Mike Davis, a farmer foodscaper who will not only talk about the businesses and nonprofits he partners with to fulfill his life mission, but also to jump into permaculture, what it means, how it works, why it's such a buzzword these days, and how it can transform the way we live today. Aloha, Mike. Aloha. Um, thank you so much for joining us, and before we begin, here is a little bit on Mike. He gave me um, a short and sweet to-the-point bio here. So, Mike Davis is a world traveler. He has a bachelor's in biology. He is a sailor, an I group coordinator for Mankind Project, which I'll definitely ask about, core member in permaculture. Blitz Hawaii and last but not least he is a self-employed with he's self-employed with edible landscapes and more so let's dive in to your background are you from Hawaii
1: I'm not born or raised yeah um, been here about 15 years okay so some may consider that local but not
0: in the sense of born and raised yeah so where where were you born and raised
1: um, well, as the bio speaks to, I've been traveling since I was four months old. I was born in Germany. And then four months later, we went to Michigan, Arizona, Bermuda, just to name a few. Um, my mom is from Sri Lanka. Okay. The coast of India. And then biological father is Polish, American, and my stepfather is English. So it's a quite a diverse background.
0: Yeah. How did you end up in Hawaii? Uh,
1: wanted to study marine biology. Oh, okay. Actually, and get away from family. <laughs> we were in Michigan, and Hawaii was rather attractive, <laughs> and uh, probably the most responsive to my application as far as marine biology. Goes.
0: So, did you end up going to University of Hawaii? Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Well, okay. uh, actually, I applied to Hawaii Pacific University. Oh okay. Uh, went there. Life happened, dropped out, <laughs> did my thing, and then went back and went to the KCC, and then you
0: Awesome. Was um, the sustainability uh, department established at that time, or no? Because I know you mm, know Matt Lynch.
1: I do. I do know Matt. Um, I don't know if it's a sustainability. It was back in 2005 when I started. Okay. Probably finished about 2014. Right? Yeah. Almost a 10 tenured- year <laughs> Journey, but well, hey, you
0: did it, right? <laughs> awesome. So, with with what you got into, because you're in marine biology, and now you're kind of, I mean, I wouldn't say a farmer, maybe more of like, well, you're into growing food or planting food, um, providing food through the ground and everything. So, how did you get into that? From the ocean? <laughs>
1: yeah, uh, well... There is a, a culture here in Hawaii that's pretty land, farm, I suppose, ahupua, mm-hmm. um, in Hawaiian culture terminology. The connection from land to sea that is really prevalent. And uh, I think also my mother being from Sri Lanka, um, very much rooted in harvest and growth of food. Uh, just naturally, it's just what we do. Um, my favorite dish actually is called Tulsam Bowl, which is a Sri Lankan spicy coconut condiment. In a sense, it's a shredded, fresh shredded coconut, cayenne, onion, all these things mixed. Made it when I was a kid, um, and I think I just really got to see a lot of rooted connections with the land and food and how it was done, um, and then seeing it here and you how people of Hawaiian culture does it. As well, you know, poi, um, pa'iai, and just the, the communities that I mixed with, I was doing it and I was doing it naturally. Um, and I think people tend to maybe see me as that person too. I think yeah. just because I have those roots, perhaps. And I just like being in the land, I like being in the dirt. Um, I also like being in the water. Uh-huh. So, Atlanta, yeah, you,
0: you're a sailor, too. So is that how you traveled all over the place when you were young? Or is that just a separate side um, hobby of yours?
1: Uh, I am a sailor. Um, I have done a couple of what's called TransPacks. So I've done okay. a trip from San Diego to Maui on a sailboat. So about a 21-day journey. Um, and then I've gone back from here to... San Francisco, and then here to Seattle. Um, those are the only big trips I've done, but lots of coastal sailing. My parents are also sailors. They own a boat in San Diego. I owned a boat in San Diego at one point. And uh, yeah, I've been sailing for at least 20 years of my life, and I have enough miles that I could apply for a captain's license, but I just haven't done it yet.
0: Awesome. Well, you have a lot of to-dos on your list. I know that. Mm-hmm. Um, but as we get diving, diving in a little bit more here, um, let's let's go into. Um, we kind of talked about why and all this that you're why you're into this field that you're in. But um, maybe some of the businesses and nonprofits that you're definitely more. Um, Working with, partnering with, that would be good. Let's start with edible landscapes and more, because that's that's your pretty much your primary mm-hmm. career as of right now.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, it's my own business. I've had it probably seven or eight years now. Um, it it kind of the way it the path of getting there. I I think farmers markets were a really large interest of mine, and I was working farmers. Markets with the, uh, sea asparagus, uh, Kai is the business still around. And I used to help, um, them do their farmers markets. I was manager. And then at some point, you know, I think I was engaging with farmers more. I was really getting, um, uh, more and more of that culture, right? And eventually I just wanted to be in the plants. I, I had my own garden in my house. I was renting. I literally made a food forest in the entire <laughs> property. What um, area do you live in? Well, that was that back was... then I was in Pololo. Oh, okay. Um, currently I'm in Aina Haina, but
0: that's drier, huh?
1: <laughs> yeah, it's a bit drier. I was actually in, more on the outskirts of Pololo, so closer to Kaimuki. So it oh, was okay. still pretty similar, still kind of dry, but I'd say it was wet. But uh, I was growing sunflowers and okra and cassava and everything and anything came my way, pretty much. Um, and then, yeah, I would meet landscapers and arborists and talk to them about what they do. And it appeared that they made a decent living. So, mm-hmm. although it wasn't easy. so hard labor, I,
0: yes.
1: Yeah. And In so I one. also worked with carpenters and I'm really a functional type of person. I like to be able to build things and do things and work with the land in that way of just purpose, I mm-hmm. um, So yeah, I got into it and I got to see all the deep, dark parts of, of the industry and, and the, the positive, uh, rewarding parts. So, uh-huh. and an understanding like the standard landscaping, which is mostly mow, blow, pruning, all that kind of stuff, and not so much on the edible components. And then being in the farmer market and working with that culture, um, And then eventually, Perma Blitz Hawaii, which I would get into, we'll get into later, but, um, I, I just felt like I was doing all those things and I wanted to do all those things. And I never really set out to make it a business. I just wanted to do it and Mm -hmm. it kind of turned into a business. Um, apparently (laughs) I was doing it right. So, um,
0: well, I think it's an interesting time where people, are moving into wanting this, right, I guess. And there's situations where, you know, we have COVID and how I think, has it has it changed your business because of COVID? I mean, maybe you could elaborate on that. I always like to ask now that, that we're in the <laughs> middle of COVID, how it's affected businesses, good or bad. Mm-hmm. So curious to hear.
1: Sure. I mean, as much as I, I have a lot of compassion for those that are struggling and, and without work, and um, in the fear of, of all of it. And I've had quite the opposite effect uh, on me. Personally, I don't come from a place of fear, generally speaking, but um, I was a little confused when it all started, I think, as most people maybe uh, found my bearings. And um, I've been saying no to people before COVID as far as work goes and as far as like how busy I am because I'm only one guy, mm-hmm. and I not have been. And now I have four contractors. So I've had some expansion, and I'm actually expanding more currently. So that's that would speak to how COVID has had an impact. It's, it's been a positive impact. Um, I think more people are spending time at home, and they're seeing their yards more, they're seeing their homes more, and they're like, oh, I wanted to get to that. <laughs> so I think, yeah, I'm, I'm getting more calls. I'm actually... Having, having to turn around. Than, yeah, yeah, I'm having more work than I, I necessarily need uh, or can handle at the moment. Um, And I would love to, you know, have everyone be working with their land and be connected to the land. Uh, In fact, now that we're talking about my business, I would, I'll just state, I have a mission statement. Mm-hmm. And um, that's here. read that out for you. And. It's creating a world of flourishing fauna in people's lives by connecting people to the land through education, interaction, and inspiration, and most importantly, love. Awesome. So and that that really connects to a lot of what I do, not only on the residential, which is what primarily my work is, but also in um, other projects I work with, which I'm sure we'll get into as well. Um, which I guess I could right now, right?
0: Yeah, sure. Let's dive into another project. What, did you want to jump into permits or something else?
1: I could. Um, I'm curious. Yeah.
0: What is what is the iGroup coordinator from Bandkind project? I never. I was curious what that was. I didn't know.
1: Okay, we could do that. Um, that's a whole can of worms too. <laughs> um, I was just curious. Yeah, we'll, we'll go on order. You see <laughs> that, oh, that, I don't know.
0: What, what do we have? Okay. Yeah. Oh, I...
1: <laughs> so, um, well, the Mankind Project is a international organization. Okay. Not profit, that's been around for 30, 40, 36 or seven years now. Okay. Um, it's actually men's groups. So I think women tend to gather and have their own social groups, um, and probably do, in a sense, an emotional form of processing, right? And mm-hmm. help each other out and support in that way. Uh, mm-hmm. A lot of men, in my judgment, um, don't have that access or don't gather naturally that way. And um, so essentially don't get the space to be emotional. Um, we're all emotional beings, um, we all have them. And I would say, I judge that females yeah. are more in touch with that than males. <laughs> so, um, and I'm not necessarily saying that as an absolute truth, but um, at least definitely from my experience. Um, and then it also rooted from this idea that since the war, um, fathers haven't really been available in the family. They've either been out at war, or at least after war, not available emotionally because of the trauma. And then um, additionally, with the way that the Industrial Revolution has been, they on not at work. Mm-hmm. And even that trauma also is creating a, an unavailability emotionally. So, not only men, but also, I'd say women, are not getting necessarily the best masculine role model. It's uh, just not present enough for them to get that model. So, that's where a lot of the need has come from mm-hmm. uh, in men. And so, there were a group of men back in the mid-80s, maybe 83 or so. Uh, the women's movement was just about beginning around that time. And the, the the, the phrase is, well, where's our movement? You know, so <laughs> they essentially gathered and they were just the right type of men to gather to make this a success. Uh, Bill Kauf is one of them, Ron Herring, and I'm forgetting the other. Is name. this
0: like a national
1: oh, yeah, organization? International. International. And okay. national. Yeah, it's a very large organization all throughout the world. Um, about 60 to 80,000 men have gone through their weekend retreat which is essentially a rite of passage, um, which culture also used to do. Um, what
0: age would you say most people, I guess, enter into this rite of passage for this program?
1: I'm well, just curious. Program, it sounds really interesting. This program, in regards to the way our world is constructed now, it's 18 and over. Oh, okay. Um, there are programs for boys, teenage boys. Uh, here specifically, there's one called Boys to Men, Hawaii. And they work with we work with youth from... Probably the age of mid-teens, so maybe, well, maybe like 13 to 18, maybe even a little younger. Um, and that's been around for about four or five years. So and that that rooted and, and sprung from the men who did the men's work who were like, oh, I didn't have this when I was that age. Well, why yeah. don't I provide it for those kids, especially at-risk youth who may have issues in family or don't even have a father? Um, And I would say it even goes for those who do have fathers, because maybe those fathers aren't necessarily able to provide what what they're needing. Yeah. Yeah, what they're needing in that way too. Um, So yeah, that's that's essentially the gist of the organizations. And I've got involved probably 20, yeah, about 2014. um, And I group is interactive group or integrating. uh, Sorry, integrating group. Uh, and it's it, the intention of it was to have this group after the weekend retreats they have to integrate what happened in the weekend. Because generally, the weekend is a, a breakthrough of some core wound or emotional thing that I haven't processed as a man or that has been sitting with me or et cetera, et cetera. Personal development is another yeah. way to look at this um, as well. And it, it's also focused around shadow work, shadow hunting. Um, Carl Jung psychology is a big proponent of it as well. Um, And so, yeah, we. I was involved then. I went did my weekend, and then I've just been involved since. I guess it's almost uh, just getting close to ten years now. But maybe I guess about well, seven years, right? So, do uh, you
0: bring your kind of work into groups that you help? Do you do you work with the Voice to End group here?
1: I have. I haven't recently, oh, okay. uh, particularly with COVID. It went all virtual. I, I
0: would imagine, huh? I. I had
1: three other virtual groups with the men's group, so I didn't have the capacity to do all that, so <laughs> I just threw my boundary, and that's, yeah. that's part of my work, mm-hmm. so it's, it's over committing and spreading myself too thin, but um, it's been a blessing. Uh, just a, It's a place to develop the masculine energy that I so desire and need, and what does it mean to be a man mm-hmm. is really what it comes down to at the end of the day. And a lot of men who come to these groups are generally with that theme. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's a place for us to remote and and speak to issues that are going on in my life and how do I navigate that Mm -hmm. and and to get other men's perspective. And we kind of all reflect with each other and are supporting each other in that way to provide uh, internal introspection to be a better person at the end of the day.
0: Yeah, and then you can fulfill your life mission
1: Totally. On a real,
0: on a real level, that's awesome.
1: I did my mission with that. But actually, my mission in life came from working with that group. Really, to at least to identify it fully. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I would imagine because it gives you time to break down a whole bunch to really figure out what it is or why you're here.
1: <laughs> totally. Um, so the I group coordinator um, part is uh, just a leadership position that I was kind of already doing so they just said hey here's the title um, so essentially a starting groups and supporting men and um, and in a way I'm kind of the gatekeeper for um, Hawaii's I groups and cool. so men who want to get involved can reach out to me um, it's really good work and it's had impact in all parts of my life even the business my relationship um, and the way that I interact in the world so I I'm really passionate about it and it's all voluntary. Um, so.
0: Well, I, there's a lot of need here, um, as we know. There's so much going on with all of these, um,
1: especially now,
0: the with all this stuff going on. That's, you know, yeah. the place that H.P.D. is having to tackle every day. Um.
1: <laughs> yeah, the men's in the men's groups have worked with jail um, inmates as well, and it's been proven to be a successful process to help inmates get through what they need to. Yeah, pretty
0: awesome. Well, that took a different turn. But, you know, at the end of the day, if um, you find yourself, you know, in a place and then you can actually become who you're supposed to be, that's the most important. Right. And connecting people is what I'm passionate about. I know that you're passionate about connecting people to land. But me, the connection with people and having that real interaction with someone and getting through to them is probably the most in in my my perspective, the most important thing, because that is what changes lives. I feel that's what changes or makes a change for the better in my, in that's how I, what I see. So, you know, however I can do that in the capacity for Hawaii, that's, that's my goal. Mm -hmm. So, um, anyhow, moving on. So I know that we just jumped into mankind project, but We also have a few more that I wanted to also tackle with you. So, what's on the docket next? PermaBlitz, Kakako Community
1: Garden, or those are both connected. (laughs) I can I can go in that order. Um, PermaBlitz Hawaii, um, founded by Matthew Lynch and Hunter Hevlin and a few others uh, in the community, and I got involved probably about maybe three years into them kind of already doing it. uh, It's been around for 14 years. Really?
0: Okay. It's a
1: network. Um, I could probably pull up that mission statement somewhere too, but essentially it's food security, uh, one house at a time, and doing it through a grassroots network and and grassroots method. Um, So people like Matt and Hunter... From um, somebody like Paul Isaac, um, myself, we, you know, we we get our community together. We pull our pool our resources: landscaper, farmer, um, networker, you know, house guy, whoever. We all pull our resources together and get the soil, get things, do an assessment of somebody's property, um, and permaculturally kind of landscape the whole area. Um, and perma blitz, and perma is like kind of permanent, sort of the the root of that word, and then blitz is the German word for action. And this actually rooted from Australia originally, um, and it took off in Australia, and then this model went worldwide and global. Um, So yeah, essentially, um, Matt took that with Hunter and they made something happen. So um, So is it
0: something that you guys... Is this a nonprofit and you volunteer your time to do certain projects
1: or how does it work? So it's, it's truly a network. Um, there's no formality in the organization of it yet. Um, and it's uh we connect with our friends. We have a Facebook. We have network and social media. Um, and we do an assessment of the property. We call on whoever 30 to 40 people come out one day and we do it. We literally. We transform their yard into a permaculture-based landscape.
0: And And how do you choose who you're doing this
1: for? Well, originally, I think it was just friends and, you know, oh, I know this person, I know that person. Ideally, uh, homeowners were the priority. Sometimes it would be renters. Um, And then eventually it became schools and then uh, larger areas. I think they tried to do a food forest and a park the city, but it didn't pan out, unfortunately. Because why? I don't recall the exact reason. It was probably about 10 years ago. But,
0: um, I would love to see that happen. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, I think I would too. And, and you know, I think that there's there's definitely different programs and other organizations working on that kind of thing too. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, essentially it it went off, it took off, and the idea is it was based off of sweat equity. So if you did like say three of these that we go to people's houses and stuff and then you get the opportunity to have your house looked at and that was all fine and dandy and really nice to, as an idea but ultimately it didn't quite um, pan out in the long run as far as the organizational structure just because you know over time <laughs> it went from having like three people who wanted their perma their yards um, and then maybe three years later we have thirty. Yeah. And there's only five of us. <laughs> so and, and we all work a job and like we don't get paid for that. That's yeah. all voluntary. Yeah. So no offense to the idea and the concept, but it's like we gotta make money. So that that's what it came down to and so the model itself had a some you know some working and tweaking. And then just before the kind of the founders handed it off to essentially myself and a couple others. Um, one being Alan Fanning, who's of Holistic Designs, and then Drew Wilkinson of Growing Together. Those are their businesses, landscaper and, um, farmer. And, and then Alan's a carpenter. Specifically, he also does some edible landscaping and farming work. But that was the original, like, handoff. And in that handoff, Matt made a connection with Surfrider. And at that time it was with Raph Bergstrom, who just mentioned him because he he's a force to be reckoned with. And he was the the leading leader of Surfrider Foundation here in Oahu. Um, and he got a program together, Ocean Friendly Gardens. Um, I think they wanted more of a of a connection of the land and try to like get all areas. I think they were focused on beaches, but um, they have, like, a restaurant program. They have uh, oh, yeah. all kinds of different... Oh, we, we did a podcast
0: outlets. with them, too. So oh,
1: good. So we started with them, and then we did what we called Surf Blitz. So it wasn't permablitz Blitz anymore, but it was Surf Blitz. And so there was a little bit more, you know, funding involved. So, and that helped increase the quality of the project, as well as more social media with their network. Um, and, yeah, it kind of eased, I think, some of that pressure off of what we had to deal with, mm-hmm. not having a formal... Structure, I would say. And uh, it went well for a while. And then eventually, Raft, being who he is, got a connection through Kaka'ako. And um, mm-hmm. it, we have the Kaka'ako Ocean Friendly Garden, which mm-hmm. is about a 10,000 square lot in pretty much the middle of Kaka'ako, across from the UH Medical Building near Reuse, Hawaii.
0: Close by Salt.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's close by Salt. Um, That was you got that connection, we worked with the the owners and we had funding through Surfrider Um, and then it's been about three and a half years and we're almost done with installation.
0: Yeah, and that's how we got connected because um, I'm with the Eco Rotary of Kaka'ako in that area as well, and um, we we knew about it. We you know we definitely have some similar friendships with other nonprofits and organizations all in this kind of community, and so we I think had volunteered a few times with um, some of the projects that you guys have ongoing just to upkeep the garden, and maybe you can talk about some of the the things that are planted there and how it services the community.
1: Yeah, um, there's three zones to this garden. Um, First zone, most ever, of the garden is the agroforest, so it's essentially a permaculture food forest, Um, and then that area, there's breadfruit growing, there's banana, there's a handful of natives, there's a butterfly garden in the corner.
0: Yeah, well, our kids helped with that one. <laughs> yeah,
1: it was great, and uh, it's it's coming along. With, um, and then we have probably th- three other smaller trees around, one being kiwi, kind of, kind of, was it Saranam cherry? Um, and they've been growing for about most of them have been growing for three years now. Mm-hmm. The red fruit is just starting to for- fruit.
0: Oh, is it? Awesome. And
1: then uh, our second zone is a memorial garden. Um, And Surf Rider Foundation ended up getting fundraising through a family that lost their daughter to a plane crash. I think it was about a year or so before we did the garden. And um, she was a very... Known member of our community, very supportive architect, Heather Riley. And so there's a memorial garden for her mural area. And it's also a hangout zone. The plan is to have workshops there and education. Awesome. Um, And then the third zone is going to be more of a nursery and composting. Um, So like full cycle. Right. Right. So you've got the plants growing, you've got kind of, the hangout, socializing area, and then composting, bringing the soil, and bringing in the new plants. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that is, that's kind of the gist of it right now. Um, we're working on that third zone right now and hopefully be done by the end of this year, if not the beginning of next year. Um,
0: Are you always looking for volunteers?
1: Totally. Um, the best way that the best route to go is through Surfrider Wahoo uh their network. Herbal Hawaii is still very much a network and not a nonprofit, although we are working towards becoming a nonprofit. Okay. So okay. we do have a, a board right now. We're meeting every three months, and um, now it's just a matter of getting the paperwork together and uh, start looking for funding. So, um, but yeah, in the meantime, we have yeah, been working with Rider Oahu. Um, we have a lot of different areas that we've worked in over the years. We've worked with schools, like I was saying earlier. Uh, we've worked with other um, sponsors like Goyaki, uh, Rotary. Um, i trying to think if there's anything else I can think of off the top of my head. But Puhaloa, Puhala? Puhala, I think, um, Koneohe was an elementary we worked with okay. once. And we worked with some of the schools in Kailua in the past.
0: And, like, they come to the garden to help out. Is that what you mean? Or
1: you um, go actually, to them and educate. Actually, yeah, educate? we've gone to them and we've done stuff on their schools. And we've had schools come to us at the Kaka Garden. So cool. It's really, like you were saying, connecting. Like, there's lots of little connections. Um, oh, one other thing we've done is farms. We've worked with farms too. Okay. Um, help them mostly in bringing people because they already kind of know what they want and how they're going to get it and how they're going to get there. Uh, we've worked with Paul Isaac. We may know of this name, and then Daniel Anthony, who does mana I. Um,
0: so. yeah, we just um, did a podcast with him, and he's actually coming to our eco Rotary this um this first Tuesday coming oh, up right. in July. so he's he's a character
1: be.
0: <laughs> um let's see. For the, for the garden, I did want to explain because I think the tie with Surfrider uh-huh. um, and it's an ocean-friendly restaurant – I mean, restaurant. It's an ocean-friendly um, garden. garden. Maybe you could explain that a little bit more, like with the Ooh. runoff and stuff, because I think that that people don't see that side mm-hmm. of it. And us being in a city with concrete everywhere, I don't know. It's really, it's yeah. really good to mention. Yeah,
1: you're kind of already explaining it. Essentially, it's uh – The all of our roads, all of the concrete, like the water that comes from the rain just runs straight into the ocean and brings pollutants and uh, what also masses of nutrients for algae and microorganisms that end up blooming and then can create a toxic environment in the ocean and then kill certain things off that um, can create an imbalance in our ecosystem, especially with coral um, and the fish in that area and the people so um, in in mitigating that one way of doing that is your plants plants hold water plants hold in soil um, and so that I any mean, most of that water and whatever nutrients would be less likely to go into that system so easily so mm-hmm. if this plot was empty the way it used to be then that water would just just run right into the drains and it would continue to add to that. So everywhere we do a garden, anywhere in the island, it's always helping to mitigate that process. And some of our um, work days also would include catchment systems and catchments is another way of mitigating and slowing down water runoff. So one of, one of the biggest, or I guess a couple of the biggest things in Hawaii that I think people need to be aware of when gardening and um, whatnot is water retention and soil retention. Um, those are the two things that just run off into the ocean. So and you're easily.
0: completely unaware, like, of yeah. how much damage it causes. So.
1: Right. Yeah. I mean, landslide is the most extreme, right? To, you know, in that sense, but it is, it's happening over time. And some people wonder, like, oh, why are my plants not doing well? And you can see, like, exposure of most of the roots. Um, most of all the nutrients that plants need are in the top, like, three to four inches of the soil. And if that's running off, every you know month or so and depending on how wet the area is and whatnot, then yeah, those plants aren't gonna get that. Mm-hmm. Um, so so being able to retain that to the retainer walls, that's another way we would um, do that as well. Um, yeah, that's essentially it's it's the program is Ocean Friendly Gardens is what we're doing is mitigating the pollutant and nutrient overload that's going into the ocean. Uh, I'm sure that the website would explain it more specifically
0: no but that's definitely that? I wanted to just kind of cover that and kind of show how important it is and the more that we grow the more trees that we plant especially in our urban core the better I know that Dan Donnell would be happy to hear that too because he well, he is a, well,
1: yeah, a tree guy is Hawaii is a new plant of land in comparison to most of other parts of the world the mainland like so our soil build up and structure is really developing still Mm -hmm. so if it's if it's just running off then it's not really developing
0: yeah so it's like where was i koalape when we were trying to help them because everything just runs off and there's nothing that can grow and i i mean we did a project where we were helping them with um kupu a long time Mm -hmm. ago and we were able to go there and that was a big part of the project was to try to help plants grow there and everything just runs off cause of the water. So, I mean,
1: yeah. It takes time. And, you know, sometimes, you know, it's, again, it's, it's about working with the land. That's, mm-hmm. If we don't work with the land then we run into problems, like we planted and then it got ran off and planted mm-hmm. and it ran off. So it's like, I think there's always this challenge of human interaction with the land and can we do it better? Or can we control it more? Um, and there is a form of on some level I think surrender and just working with what is and what is growing and accepting it. Yeah. A lot of times, especially in the landscaper, I get clients who, oh, I want this, 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 and this, there. I'm like, Oh well, it might not grow well. You could do it, uh, and I'll you know support it. <laughs> but um well, you know, it's probably going to die in a year, or it's just not going to fruit well, or it's not going to flower well. Um, so I'm always always working towards helping people make that connection to the land and understand the more of a cycle, and that they're part of it. Mm-hmm. Some of them don't want to do it. Yeah, well,
0: important. now that we're talking about this, maybe we can move nicely into permaculture. Yeah. Because I think that's where we're headed, and that was a buzzword, I feel, for a lot of people that don't know what it means. So um, maybe you can start diving into permaculture and what that means to you, what that means to your business, and um, how we can embrace that word into our lives.
1: Yeah, Um, I mean, I'm kind of already speaking to it in my business, for sure. Um, For me, permaculture is really the wisdom of our elders and the wisdom they hold around plants and the systems at play, and how we haven't always been in control or able to move things as we do now with uh, machinery and technology. Now. So it was kind of like, well, that tree is swaying to the left, so I should plant this plant here, or I should, I should move, you know, this or that. It's, it's really that knowledge and wisdom of working with nature. Um, And there's lots of definitions of permaculture. and In its essence, culture is one aspect, like how how do we work with the culture of the permanence of the nature, um, in a sense. And it really, um, I'm sure Matt Lynch would like this, any permaculture teacher, is it's really a lens. Um, It's not you really look at the world differently when you get into permaculture it's not like I'm going to the grocery store and I'm getting my food it's more like I want to grow that food and I need to use the topography of the land a little differently here have some mitigation and then I'll be able to harvest and I'll have it I'll have that food it um, and it's thinking about concepts in a very very different ways. So how is the sun rising? Where is it rising? When is it the hottest? Uh, how much rain am I getting over here? Uh, how permeable is the soil? Um, and all these things are really connected to us as, as beings, humans as well. And mm-hmm. I think it's really easy to forget those things uh, in the day-to-day. I'm in an office, I'm on a computer. Um, so yeah. yeah, I guess that's kind of what I would put it in, in my terms and um, I would say also just like the cycle of life it is a lot of what's incorporated here too and that can include animals it doesn't mm-hmm. have to just be plants um, because animals provide manure mm-hmm. which manure is really really important for a fair amount of plants um, and just when when you're a farmer um, at least when I'm a farmer you um, mm-hmm. I'm not really farming plants. I'm farming soil. That, that's really the gist of it, because that's what's gonna. All you do is add water, and the plants grow. Mm-hmm. But the soil needs to be the right mix, yeah. the right nutrient content, right? and the seed to actually make what you want in the best quality. So. Um,
0: Did you see that? What is it? A Netflix show that came out? Kiss the Ground
1: heard about it. I don't think I've seen it yet.
0: You should watch it. I think you would agree with it, and you probably know most everything in it. But it was a very um, eye-opening, uplifting. I would say for a lot of the movies that are out, that um, that there's a solution. Let's just say for for yeah. our world in the way we're in and climate change and things like that. It, there's a solution, and and it could be it could be the soil.
1: <laughs> right. I mean, this planet has been here a long time. A lot longer than most of us, and I'd even say our our species, for that matter. So I think there's some wisdom to take from that. Years, yeah, and years, like maybe tenfold, maybe. Uh, I can't think of the numbers right now, but um, yeah, there's definitely a lot to learn, and I think what's important here is also to be willing to continue to learn that not everything is what we have explored so far.
0: Yeah, and, I mean, just the fact that the ancestors here, you know, the Hawaiians, the ancient Hawaiians that lived here, were able to do it with nothing, nobody else. So, and there were a lot of them, so yeah, think
1: about they were a million yeah,
0: pretty close to where we're at. So it is possible. I mean, we might not have the same luxuries.
1: Right.
0: <laughs> I'm sure. a waste. Waste a lot as well. Um so anyhow, that was a good, I would say, overarching idea of what permaculture is. And how would how do you use that in your in your business in a sense of like, um, I know a lot of things that you you do is to build or grow edible landscaping um, and options for people and would you say they all come to you for that or is it sometimes an educational piece and you bring food to their gardens when they're not necessarily wanting them mm-hmm. or is you just working with that type of clientele? Yeah,
1: um, so edible, yeah, it's, it's in the name and that would be my primary want is to help people install raised beds or fruit tree plantings and, but not everyone wants that and, um, I'm not going to be too I'm picky to an extent obviously <laughs> uh, to the extent of uh, the bills being paid <laughs> <laughs> well so, it
0: seems like you have a lot of interest so you can be a little bit more picky now as to right. the projects that you you decide to take on
1: <laughs> yeah, <so our> <laughs> more from, passionate um, from everything from helping a client understand the concept of mulch Mm -hmm. and having leaf matter, dead matter on the ground versus cleaning it up, putting it in a green bin Mm -hmm. where it might not be serving the full cycle of Mm -hmm. their yard to uh, talking to them about grafting their mango tree and having 10 varieties of mango on one tree versus one.
0: That's crazy.
1: So (laughs) um, that is definitely the range, I would say. Um, in, the, in the shortest terms, um,
0: do most of your clients uh, tend to their own garden, or is it like um, so they hire you and so then they can continue on after you yeah. help them create this food forest in their in their backyard?
1: Well, over the years, I've definitely built uh, maintenance clients as well, so I do tend to uh, maybe a handful, mm-hmm. uh, maybe two handfuls of, of yards now. But yeah, like a lot of the newer work is definitely installation based. Mm-hmm. And the permaculture component also has to do with low maintenance. So, and, and most people want that. And mm-hmm. even if they don't want it, they still want it because they don't realize the amount of work that they have to do attending uh, unless they're retired and that's all they do. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so, yeah, I would say that I. I have maintenance accounts, but then I also do a lot of installations, which sometimes turn into maintenance accounts. So I'm open to both. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't. Well, I'm just do thinking. So much,
0: a lot of, um, I'm in real estate, so it is becoming a trend, right? I mean, even some of the new developments that are out there, it's. It's like planting actual fruit trees and things of that sort that can be utilized in a different manner than just beautification. Um, And, you know... There's developers out there that are, you know, making separate areas that are more community gardens, whether we're looking at condos that have bed gardens, you know, whether we're looking at, you know, homes and then they have like a separate area where you can, you know, grow some some things or whatnot. Um, They're definitely, it's a trending thing and it's something that people want to do. I could also see, um, you know, condos that don't necessarily have anything right now and they're like our condo I know I keep probably reiterating this in when I'm talking on different podcasts but we have like a lot of land so you know surprisingly for the area that we're in and you know there's a lot of mature trees there's a lot of green grass and there's three or four landscapers that are just you know tending to all this but it's interesting because there are some random like I don't know, coffee trees that are somewhere, and then somebody's planted a pomegranate, and then just randomly throughout places on this. And I'm just thinking, well, there should be more of this. I mean, if we're already paying somebody to do this work, why not have one of them be a farmer that knows how to tend to it? I guess. I don't know. It would be a very interesting, you know, business concept, you know, if communities started um implementing it in versus just beautification so
1: well, i mean i would respond to that in a couple ways there's a couple points that came up in my head but one you know is aesthetic uh, it's a really touchy subject for a lot of homeowners and maybe condo owners if you might know um, and so they what's perceived as what looks good and what doesn't look good generally when people grow food it doesn't look good. that that's generally how I've come to know, um, but it can, it,
0: it can, can totally it, yes, there. it can.
1: It's um, just a matter of knowing. And most of those landscapers, like, they'll know, right? especially I'm not trying to be segregated in any way. But Filipino guys, they know, <laughs> <laughs> they just totally know. That's probably why you see the coffee or you see something, they're, they're letting it grow because they know that they want to harvest some of that, you know. And, and, most likely the palmellos or other, maybe like bitter, bitter melons and stuff like that. But, um, yeah, I, I think it's, it's really a conceptual thing that people want to see flowers. And it also has to do with they don't want to have to maintain or put the extra effort into what's needed for edibles. Some edibles need more. Uh, if you want food. You have to put more in the soil. You have to tend to it in a different way. That mm-hmm. can sometimes cost a little more, too. Uh, whereas a lot of ornamentals are really drought-resistant, really resistant to most pests. And so it's not going to really become much of an issue. Um, that's essentially where I would say that that roots from. And doesn't mean we can't change it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, someone like myself, I think, knowing how to tend to these plants and helping it be beautiful in a aesthetic way as well as a functional way, I see no problem with that. I think it's just a matter of demanding for it.
0: Yeah, well, I think the demand is is what I mean is coming. Mm-hmm. And not only that, but I think people think food is pretty now. I don't know, I do. Like when I see like all of the food lined up or I see these trees, I don't know, it's it's more appealing to me. Um, but you also do need to have the... the flowers that are around that are blooming with the with the bees and the pollinating and all that. So I could understand that it could be a combination.
1: <laughs> so also part of that what comes up for me too is, you know, when it comes to those ornamental landscapes, um, non-edible is people spraying. Right? So that's and that's like the standard way of doing things. Uh, and do you want that in your food? Oh, no.
0: Yeah. So being so, sustainable, I mean we did a podcast with Malama Aina and Like their landscaping and everything they do is sustainable um, in the sense that they're not, you know, putting chemicals in everything too. So, yeah, that is, I don't know if if it costs more or not less, I don't know, or more tending to. um, And weeding, I'm not not too sure. I'm not much of one to do that,
1: but, you know, weeding, I I don't spray and, I, if somebody asked me to, I would I just would say pretty much no. Uh, for one, I don't want exposure myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and then two, it's it just not good for the land.
0: Um, or the food that you're eating. <laughs> especially,
1: if especially if it's edible yeah. stuff around there. Um, but, you know, I, if, if they want to do that to their yard, that's, that's, that's what they can do. Yeah. And everyone's got to learn somehow. Um, there's actually someone you may know, uh, Zach Bush. Uh, he's an MD, and maybe consider him in your podcast, he's he's actually been pretty popular since COVID. Uh, he's an MD gastroenterologist, um, speaks to the whole system on a permaculture level, coming from a doctor's perspective as well, and um, you know how glycophate has there's some studies showing its effects on people, and he's doing his own research, um, and he's, he's super compassionate loving guy who has a lot to offer and a really nice perspective. So.
0: Well, you can introduce me and maybe we could have him on sometime soon.
1: <laughs> oh, I don't know him personally. I know of him. Uh, he has, I believe he has a business here in, in the mainland. So. All right. You'd probably, I'm sure, if you, I could try and connect you, and go from there. That'd be cool. Yeah, he's he's been really helpful. I think during this time understanding another perspective on what's been happening in the world. Um, Everything from viruses traveling through the atmosphere and being found in the Arctic at the same time they're found here, to just the concept that, you know, landscapers might actually know a little more about health and food than we think they do.
0: all right. Well, I know we're coming on the hour, and I um, was there anything else that you wanted to just throw in there um, to, to tell, talk to everybody about besides just how they can get a hold of you if they want to? Uh,
1: well, I really appreciate um, your passion in, in this, Christina, and uh, allowing me to share my heart. Um, being of men's groups and of uh, working with the land, you could probably tell that I like to share my heart.
0: I can and tell. And I did not know that about you. This is actually the first time we're meeting in person. That so. is true,
1: yeah. It so, seems
0: like I've met you, but I haven't, because we met during COVID. So.
1: Well, it's been here <laughs> 15 years, I'm around. Obviously, a little bit everyone somewhere in <laughs> Hawaii, right? Um Yeah, I I don't know that there's anything specific other than um, I would just say just notice the ground you're walking on and and notice the connections and how you've come to be here in this world now and perhaps how would you like to leave it when it comes to that end and be aware that there are more things than may be perceived that's true
0: definitely true Um, things are definitely in a person you know person's perspective and to know that everybody has their own perspective and respecting that is um, a huge thing just so we can all cohabitate (laughs) and be together in I would say a harmonious state you know with our different differences and our perspectives but you know that is probably the only way we can actually move forward and get really amazing things happening in Hawaii is to have that level of understanding with people that are different and have different perspectives. Um, which is really the foundation for our smart living Hawaii is to, you know, the connection that people can make on a specific project that's going to benefit the community um, and put all your other differences aside and work together on that and love each other for that, you know? And that's, that's my goal. That's what I try
1: to do. Yeah. You know, so. what comes to mind on that is when I was 10 years old, was, you know, I've been traveling mostly already at that point in my life and in that traveling, my, my largest takeaway is everyone is the same, yet everyone is different. Mhm. So it's really a balance of that yin and yang in a way of understanding that we're all different, but we're all the same, and let's work together. Wow,
0: well, you you came to that realization at ten. That's pretty cool.
1: Through <laughs> traveling, and Yeah. It was that really because I got to meet a lot of different types of
0: people. Yeah,
1: and I was kind of a bit of a black sheep too.
0: So. Awesome. <laughs> well, if you would like to connect with um, Mike here, I guess what's the best way to reach you?
1: Um. Well, I mean,
0: email, yeah. or do you have do you have handles uh, on Instagram, social media, website, anything?
1: I, my business does not get advertised. I, I, like Word I said, of mouth. Yeah, it really is. Um, and I, even then, I'm busy. So I, part of why I haven't done it yet, because I feel that I would get overloaded. Yeah. Um, and I'm open to, yeah, hearing from the right people, and I want to support people for sure. Um, just know that there might be
0: a waiting list. It's okay. It's I may, I may need you to, um, I need to put you on our waiting list for a project that we have for Rotary down the road. So Great. at Great. some point, <laughs> so, yeah,
1: my email, um, definitely works. Permascapes 808 at gmail. And then my phone number, uh, also my business number is 808, 829-1907. And, um, that's yeah.
0: that's probably the best way to get a hold of him. Um, I was trying to share some of his. I mean, there is Permablitz Hawaii's um, Instagram that you can definitely follow. Yeah. And that's that group um, together. So it's at Permablitz underscore Hawaii. So you can kind of check them out there and see some of the things that they've been working on. But other than that, you'll just have to email him. Old school way. Give is him that, a call. That, <laughs> Text him.
1: There's a Facebook um, um, for a Permablitz but well, that isn't necessarily a way to reach me.
0: Uh,
1: <laughs> but if you wanted to, to learn more about PermaBlitz, Blitz, um, we do have a Facebook.
0: Awesome. Um, I believe
1: it's PermaBlitz Hawaii spelled out H-A-W-A-I. Um,
0: oh, yeah, you can find it if you just put put it up there.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, but other than that, I think that wraps everything up. Thank you so much for your time, Mike. I really appreciate it. I know you're a busy man out there um, little break from the hot sun today <laughs> yeah. um, so that's all I have for you thank you all for listening don't forget to subscribe to our podcast at www.smartlivinghi.org also follow us on instagram at, at smart underscore living underscore hawaii and like us on facebook mahalo and until next time live smart
1: bye guys aloha